0: It's batting, Jim, but not as we know it. This is big. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. you
1: all engine running. Lift off. We have a lift off. Hey, you! Get your damn hands off her! Uh. You're my Uncle Joey. Uh. Better get used to these bars, kid. Changed your name to... McLovin? Uh McLovin? Kind of a stupid name is that, Fogel. What are you trying to be, an Irish RB singer? Oh, they let you pick any name you want when you get down there. And you landed on McLovin. Yeah, I was between that and Muhammad.
0: Welcome to the Bashcast, brought to you by BookyBashing.net. This is Big, looking at next week's opportunities and the last couple of weeks worth of profits. It is 11 minutes to 5 p.m. on Thursday, the 20th of June, 2019. Coming up. In tonight's Bashcast, um, I was going to talk about other things, but Frankie Tory is taking centre stage this Thursday afternoon, so we'll have a look at that. Uh, we're going to go through a William Hill ambiguous bet that should have won, but they settled as a loser from Tuesday. Um... Uh, improvements to the um, top price scraping model where we introduce favourite long shot bias to that. Um, updates on the tool development for personalised bets and Nectan get in touch to go back on their promise to VIPs. After the break, we talk about the big bet 365 case. All that and more coming up on tonight's Bashcast. Now, very quickly. It's 10 minutes to, so I have to. I've decided I have to do this and talk at the same time. At 5 pm, it is Cameroon women versus New Zealand. And I've run the model and found some value, but I still have to upload it manually. So I thought I would just quickly do that. We've got Cameroon women to have two or more corners at each half at even money is 105% EB. So that's just going on the tracker coming up at 5 p.m. is Cameroon women versus New Zealand women and it is also what's the other game in the Women's World Cup the 5 p.m. kickoffs killing me Netherlands versus Canada and it is also the fifth race at Royal Ascot And it's going to be an interesting one. And I, uh, Royal Ascot wasn't on my list of things to talk about today. To tell you the truth, I um, I haven't done a lot on it. Um, there weren't enough decent opportunities. I mean, opportunities are all about... a, a, a decent enough return uh, on your time. A decent enough financial return on your time. And... Um, The extra places have just been a little bit harder to find value in. Once we get this automated scraper up, Lee's working on it, will become a little bit easier. Anyway, I haven't done a lot on it. I have been following the Emporium tips. They sort of broke even the first day, had a very big day this second day. This third day has been about Frankie de who has won four in a row. He's been on Eiali at five to one. Sangarius at 13 to 2, Starcatcher at 4 to 1, and Stradivarius at evens. However, as looking at something else this morning, those prices were 8.2, 7.4, 8.4, and 2.7 this morning. His final two rides this morning were 15.5 and 10.5. I'm now going to go over. So the 15.5 is into 5.6 can you believe and the 10.5 in the last that is into 6.2 now it'll be absolutely it'll be the story of the horse racing world if he wins all five races all six races today I'll tell you that it would have been um Hundreds of thousands to one. In fact, I don't have to guess. I sort of worked it out here. It would have been 190,262 to one this morning. So he's now like a 25 to one shot. After he won two races, I put on a fourfold each-way bet accumulator at Coral. Um, So I've got two races left of that. And the 1,700 is going to go in three minutes. Although there is a little horse that is... Number 14 horse is going mental and running about the place. Who is number 14? It. Oh, right? It's not Turganov. It's not Frankie de Tori. So the horse that's going mental isn't him. So it's going to be interesting. And also I've got to go and pick the kids up. And you have to pick the kids up by from nursery. And you have to pick the kids up by, from nursery by 5.30pm. And the race goes at 535 and there's no 3G up there. I guess, actually, so honestly, if Frankie Dettori wins the 1700, I'm gonna just going to have to pause the Bashcast, go and get the kids, and come back and talk about this later on tonight. That's the only thing that I can do, because um, I don't want to miss out on the last. And I might treat the family to McDonald's in the evening, if uh, he wins the 5.30. Not McDonald's, that's a bad idea. The thinking about what do you treat people to, especially like little kids, when you come into a decent win. Back in the but like my dad would take me to McDonald's when I was eight as a treat, but these days you just associate it with unhealthy living and the kids getting fat and so on and so forth. I'll take them to the basketball court. That's what I'll do. We got Sasha a rainbow basketball the other day, so. So, um it's a bit weird the market movements um, as a result of him winning these because you've got to say that the horse i mean Turgenev didn't know that doesn't know that he's won four in a row just now so really the the chances of Turgenev running faster than any other horse out there i know there is some element to the skill of the jockey but Turgenev is three times shorter just now than he was this morning he's about a 25 20 chance to win just now where he was a six percent chance to win this morning and that's all that's all down to market reaction you could argue mar- market overreaction so I've also had a lay well I had a lay of Stradiv- Stradivarius in the last race who was even money I laid him about 2.1 and that w- he won that so i'm down there but i still think it's a positive expectation strategy to lay these horses that the markets have overreacted there's a couple of influencing factors going on here i mean the bookmakers have to shorten his odds now um as a result of so many punters jumping in on doubles trebles and so on and so forth in the last races they'll just get killed i mean after he wins four in a row everyone is now placing the double in the last two aren't they so they have to shorten the odds. So when they shorten the odds, there is some natural reaction on the exchanges. There is some um, synergy there where the exchanges will follow suit, even if smart money is trying to push it in the other direction. If the bookmakers shorten the prices, the exchanges will shorten their prices. So there's, at some point you get to this kind of weird overreaction area where the price is just too small and laying it as a positive expectation strategy. I mean, it's not great fun laying things at six. You're essentially just getting one to two on your money. But um, it's certainly not the other way around. His price certainly isn't too high just now, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? And um, you, you know, this could be a positive expectation strategy to lay him in every race and he could win every race. Therefore, I'll be down... And that doesn't stop it being a positive expectation strategy. It doesn't stop the fact that these horses are way underpriced. And flip that on its head, if I'm wrong, you know, he could lose every race, meaning a profit. Well, that doesn't change the fact that the strategy is wrong. So it's just weighing up whether the strategy is right or not. But I think in this situation, it is. I wonder what price the seventeen thirty-five he'll be if he wins this. I mean, the bookmakers are just going to have to slash him if he wins this. He's six just now in the seventeen thirty-five questionnaire in this race. He is on Turgenev, um, bouncing between well, bouncing between five and six in the exchange. I saw him as low as seven to four at MoPlay. Although I'm not entirely sure if we should consider MoPlay to be a reasonable and serious bookmaker so during emporium yeah i did some pre-festival uh, bets i looked at william hill your odds it was kind of like um just a bit of fun because i was using um, they were pricing up a load of things to happen over the festival and i benchmarked that um those bets against what had happened in the previous 18 years worth of festivals now you could argue well 18 years is not enough number of years of festivals to have a decent sample size on and you're right but the only thing is i can't exactly invent a larger um data set for betfair prices for um for ascot because betfair wasn't around in the ascots before then so what can it we we can only deal with what the information that's in front of us now if it was two or three years worth of data it would be so small that it would be useless but 18 i did a few different kinds of analysis um, but I'm not staking big. I mean, this the, my staking levels come down to the certainty of the analysis. And there's some things you can be completely certain on. Some of these William Hill bets, which were benchmarking against liquid lay prices on the exchange, you can bet huge. And I do. Uh, some of these um, um, other analyses where I've got a little bit more uncertainty, especially with the uh, sample size here, I'm still betting on them. I'm just betting a lot less, right? You know, when the uncertainty is greater, you bet less. So they had um, a few different hashtag your odds. The majority, as always, that I went through were negative EV. And I never really talk about them because they're boring. Okay, I'll give you one, right? I'll give you one. Um, The first one was the aggregate distances for the meeting to be between 35 and 55 lengths. Well, if you look back 18 years, that's happened um, 13 times. So 13 times in 18 is a fair price of 1.38. William Hill hashtag your odds. We're offering 1.25. So that's rubbish. 1.25 to back. It should be 1.38. It's 91% EV. But it then said no individual day at Royal Ascot to produce an aggregate winning distance of 15 lengths or more. Well, that's also happened 13 times out of 18. So that's also 1.38 on that small sample size. We were getting 1.67 on that. So that's a little bit better. That's better EV. The combined winning list distance to be less than 50 lengths also happened 13 uh, meetings out of 18. Um, so, yet yeah, again, that should be 1.38. That was 1.73. And finally, the biggest SP to be 25 to 1 or less has happened eight times out of 18. So that fair price would be 2.25. Well, we were getting 2 to 1, 3.0. So... Um, There were three bets there that I had some small stakes on. Now, here we go in the 1700s, I'm just going to turn this up. The horse that we're listing out for is Turgenev, number three, Frankie Dottoria, and he does seem to be pretty much at the front. Is he going to make this five out of five? This is going to be the story of the year if he does
2: away as well, Uh, Baristan the Bold in that far side group in company with Motta Farwood, also Mordred, or in that far side group with Victory Command, and Dark Vision is at the tail of a group that number about 10. So Turgenev, Frankie Notori, is gonna try and make most under the near side. He is out in front from certain lad over on the far side, Whitecap of Dubai Legacy, then Velorum over on the far side with Baristan the Bold and Motta Farwit. On the near side, Turgenev leads Davy Denko, who's moving into it. Then behind these Glorious Lava and Eclipse Storm, Duncarran and Fanoa, Hero, hero onto the near side with hot team. Frankie notori right to the ball with Turgenev. Hero, hero in second. Uh, making ground migration now over on the far side with Adam you Frankie Notari is in front. Oh, here. Frankie Notari's Good couple of legs on Turgenev. Out of the pack migration.
0: About together and
2: uh, just behind those the likes of glorious lover from beach boxer behind those dark Jedi well
0: then my days that looked like he was going to win that all the way it really did and then um, uh, Harry Bentley comes and wins it he would have traded really low there let's have a look what do we have You've got to look at smartkits for how low he traded because on Betfair, when he trades at 1,000, that ruins the graph. But the graph's inverted on smartkits, so you can see. Let's turn off the TV. Uh, It looks like he traded... um, I'm surprised, actually, he didn't trade better than 30%. 3.2, it looks like, something like that. That surprises me because I I thought he was going to win. I thought he'd broken free and he was going to win. I'm surprised he didn't go odds-on there. He came second. Biometric won it, so I'm still on from the each way place of that race. Wow! And now, by the way, watches price just skyrocket in the seventeen thirty, 1730, seventeen thirty-five. They can let, yeah. Already, by the way, it's back. It's seven point four now. It's sort of um, so interesting the price movements on these on on these horses. So um, it, this has been an entertaining day. An entertaining day yesterday. Um, no, it wasn't yesterday. It was two days ago. Tuesday. Let me see. I'm all over the place now because I'm winging this bashcast. Um, sport offer nine at William Hill two days ago was a goal, a card, and over five corners to be taken in each of today's Women's World Cup Copa America and UEFA Under 21 Championships matches. So um most mornings i get sent um some intel some intelligence a photograph of all of the william hill offers and we sit and work them all out and we can work most of them out as well there's a there's a couple that are quite difficult but i mean over time we've sort of figured out the methodology for each of them and this one's fairly standard I mean, a goal, you just take over 0.5 odds from the exchange. We can do a card from um, using an evens line. We can use uh, over five corners by using a mean line as well. Uh, And we have all of that information. So we've got the information. We've got to work out what matches it is. It's the Women's World Cup. Well, that's nice and easy. Um, Let's go back to Tuesday on Flash Score. The Women's World Cup was Italy versus Brazil, Jamaica versus Australia. Easy. Um, The under-21 championship matches. Well, that was Romania, Croatia, and England, France. That was easy. And then it says um, Copa America. And on Tuesday, between the hours of midnight and 23.59.59, there were... Well, there was two, but there was technically only one. japan Chile was at 1 o'clock in the morning, but Hill didn't release this bet until 9 o'clock in the morning. So they wouldn't have included the game that had already finished and won. It doesn't really matter because it had won, but they wouldn't have included that one. So they would have included the one that hadn't played yet, which is Bolivia versus Peru at 10.30 in the evening. And all five of those games won. So that's uh, two women's... 221 and the single Copa America um, all five of them won, and so people went in the following day to collect their winnings and it was a big bet. it was like three to one and a fair price would have been about 3.2 and large stakes in that as well. you know I mean when they, when, they, when they boost these headline tenors, you're not getting four, 3.2, you're not getting anything as good as that. I know the gap's not very big, but it's short odds, so the EV is higher there. Um Well, you can guess where this is going. People went into William Hill the following day, they put the bet slip down on the counter, and William Hill said, that bet is a loser. And the reaction is, no it isn't, it's not a loser. Um Japan... Um, well that game had finished already Bolivia, Italy, Jamaica, Romania, England all of those games had a goal all of them had a card and all of them had over five corners so William Hill escalated it upstairs and come back and they say Brazil versus Venezuela which kicked off at three o'clock in the morning the following day is included in the set and that finished nil-nil and I think the counter-argument that people have said is, well, hold on. This says today's great sport offer. And it also says a goal of card and over five corners taken in each of today's uh, matches. So all of these games today, which is Tuesday the 18th of June, they all won. And then a game that takes place in British time on Wednesday, the nineteenth of June, which, in no definition under the Oxford Dictionary, could be considered today. That's the bet that lost, and therefore this is a settled as a loser. That cannot be right. Uh, now, depending, of course, with with typical um, inconsistency, depending on what shop you went into, you got a different reaction. Some people had very sympathetic um, managers. I think I've read that some people got paid after challenging this and showing proof of kickoff times. Other people, it was suggested to raise it with betting inquiries. Um, so I know that is what some people did. And I've got a copy of a, a reply from betting inquiries here. And oh, by the way, Duncan says that it was matched at 1.36. That just shows that the markets graph wasn't very accurate earlier. This is from Betting Inquiries. Hi, it's Claire here from William Hill. Thanks for getting in touch. I'm sorry to hear that you're unhappy with the settlement of your bet. I can confirm that the game between Brazil and Venezuela was listed on our coupons as a Tuesday match. And this was also clarified on the screens in-store when advertising the great value sports offer. Well, no, it wasn't. I'm looking at a picture of it here. It wasn't it was definitely not clarified on today's great sports offer so the question is why was it listed on the tuesday as a um as a coupon game that why was it listed as a coupon game that kicked off on the tuesday and the question was asked what time on tuesday did it kick off and the reply was it says on the system it kicked off at 235959 59. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Twenty-three fifty-nine fifty-nine. Is that seriously a time the games kick off? Now, are the Premier League going to move all of the times from 3pm on a Monday to two fifty-nine fifty-nine? 59 Does that sound like either someone's bodged something or a gremlin in a system or, heaven forbid, William Hill are changing things to cover up on their own mistake um, so that they can maybe force the settlement of these bets? I don't know. But what game kicks off at 23.59.59? And the ludicrousness of that statement. I mean, you can it's so easy to check what time the game kicked off. Uh, and even if it wasn't, what game kicks off at 23.59.59? Something is so patently wrong. And the annoying thing about escalating this with betting disputes or betting... I don't know what this part of William Hill's... What the name is. Thanks for raising this with... Um, or whoever, upstairs in William Hill. The fact that they say that it was clear, it absolutely wasn't, and I have a photograph to prove that it was. And the the fact that they say that it kicked off at twenty three fifty nine fifty nine on a Tuesday, what are you meant to do? And this is worth thousands of pounds to people. So um, um, the only thing is, I'm going to put the hands in the air. At the time... We worked the bet out, and we worked it out to be 4-3.2, including the Brazil match. So we said there's every chance that um, William Hill are going to include the Brazilian Brazilian match in this. Um, as it happened, if it didn't include the Brazil match, it would have been ludicrous, the um, equity. It would have been like 4-2.6 or something like that. Um and it's just typical that it was the Brazil match that let us down when everything else won. I mean, if it wasn't that way, if any other match had let us down, that we wouldn't be in this position and people wouldn't be fighting for it. Um, but as it is, um, I sent a picture of the offer to um, both Jimmy Justice, who has been on this programme before, on this um, Bashcast before, um, who campaigns for fair rights for customers, and, for, uh, and to Paul Fairhead. And... Um, I just stated the facts and showed them a picture of the bet. I didn't say if it had won or lost, but just asked them if the match should be included. And the general consensus was that the Brazil match that was at three o'clock in the morning on the Wednesday shouldn't be included in the Tuesday games. Uh, I don't know if they're neutral parties, but you know what I mean? So, um... Um, without sort of feeding them the answer, they agreed. But William Hill have their own interest to protect. The annoying thing is that William Hill get to keep all of the money and make the decision, which does appear to be ripping the customer off. But we also knew that this was the game that we were going into when we placed these bets. I kind of wish that it hadn't turned out like this, though, but it is. So whether people are going to fight this or not, that all depends on your own circumstances and how much this bet is worth to you. I mean, for me, you know, it would have to be a significant amount to be bothered. And that's the really annoying thing. But perhaps this could be if this was raised with IBAS, I think IBAS would find in favor of William Hill. I don't know if it was taken to the courts, I think the courts would find in favour of the punter. So, all we know is that it's completely ambiguous and it's also, in 2019, there shouldn't be this problem of ambiguity. Um, I understand that on the screen in shop, it's probably not appropriate, especially when they're doing like over 120 goals in five different leagues to list down every match. It, It would just fill up the screen. But, Surely there is a way of printing onto the receipt. What are they doing? Saving an in ink, change your processes, so that qualifying games, when groups of games are bundled into a bet, are printed on a receipt. And if you're doing eight different leagues and you're doing an over 150 goals in those leagues, it's a printer. Just print in really small fin- Print in really small font. And then the punter in the shop, and when he goes home, knows exactly the bet that he's placed. There's no need for the ambiguity. The ambiguity is worse. I don't believe they are trying to rip off the customer. I genuinely believe that they did mean to include Brazil in at the beginning, and they haven't added them, Brazilian, to a lose, uh, winning bet to make it lose. Um, but I still think the punter should be paid out. I think each basher should be paid out that bet on it. And I think William Hill have to work on their processes. I'm not interested in finding loopholes of ambiguity. I would rather William Hill ironed out all of the ambiguity through a simple process such as listing all of the games on a receipt. That would be a much better way to move forward with this game. So, we'll see where we go from there.
1: You're not going to be picking a fight, Dad. Dad, Dad, Daddy-O.
0: Um, the personalised bets model in the off season. We're still working on this. Still throws up a few interesting, um, a few challenges. I would say, but um, for the most part, or over a relatively small sample size, seems to be doing okay. So these are my bets from the last couple of weeks. I'm about twenty two hundred pounds up on these hashtag your odds. And to tell you the truth, I quite like betting on them. And the reason I quite like betting on them is the they're sort of mashed at the bookmaker, I think. I mean look, if you're if I'm betting on specials and boosted odds and you know, Bets in sensitive markets or bets that are obviously higher than delay or whatever, then the longevity of an account doesn't apply. But there is enough um, information out there that suggests that traders look out for people, for punters who bet not only on non-label bets, but on these... Pick your punts or personalized bets because they assume that they're all terrible la- value. And to be fair, they are, on the most part, terrible value. I have I can pick up the last 1,700 bets, 1,200 bets that the tracker has done. Let's ask how many were positive EV. Just interrogate the table. How many do you think? How many do you think are over 100%? Let's filter it by greater than 1. Out of 1,216 bets, 22. It's actually more than I thought it was. So we're looking at about 1.8 bets per 100. But they also come in clusters. The majority of the time I run the model, I don't find anything. And then when I do find something, it's not just one bet that seems to be good, but Multiple bets seem to have come in at the same time. Because, you know, it's because corners will have steamed in. And by steamed in, I mean that the line has changed on the, on the exchange. The, there is a, oh, a couple of corners markets on... Sorry, on the spreads. The, uh, the line has changed on the spreads. There's a couple of corners um, markets on the exchange, but they're hardly ever liquid, even in the biggest games. So they don't change very much. But when goals steam in, you can really tell... I mean, corners do as well. Bookings, don't. haven't seen them change massively. And all we're doing here, I know we're relying on the exchange who set their own lines. That's not the power of the money. But all we're doing, well, we're taking the most pessimistic line every single time. And then we're benchmarking EV against that pessimistic line. And what that does, it means that every time we see one that's positive EV, we're getting a price that is better than the price available at the spreads. So essentially, if we always bet on 100%, we are always beating what would be available at the spreads. And over time, that's going to be a profitable strategy. Now, there's some teething problems. Every now and again, we come across one that um, um, isn't good. There's a couple of reasons for that, and we have to deal with them. First of all, the spreads lines, <coughs> excuse me, they, they seem to change quite frequently quite quickly leading up to kickoff as money comes in they'll nudge something up by 0.25 nudge it back down nudge it up nudge it back down and that volatility that can cause a small amount of problem working out value because it's like the line will change you go to all the effort of working out the value i put it up on the tracker by the time i put it up on the tracker the line has changed again and it's no longer good that will get solved with automation. I mean, we can get an API feed for the spreads. And for ease of use, I'm not taking the average of both of them just now because I simply don't have enough time. So I am just using the one. But again, that will be solved with an API feed. We'll get an API feed in and we'll take, um, we'll take an average of the two or the worst, whichever suits And the other thing we seem to have a problem with, I think we have a small problem when the lines are very low, very low compared to the increments that they change with. So if let's say corners, which seem to change in about an increment of 0.25 are really low, like, say, USA women versus Thailand women, that was a non-event, it was 13-0 America. I think the corners for the Thailand were something like 1. Now, if that line changes from 1 to 0.75 or 0.75 to 1 or 1 to 1.25 relative to what it was before, that's a massive leap. And in terms of a discrete probability distribution, the difference between 0.75 and 1 is huge. Really, really, really big. And what that means is that the... EV is very sensitive to changes in the mean at low numbers. And As of yet, we haven't factored in an algorithm to deal with that, but it's on the. We need to factor in something because we can't have we can't have the spreads just pushing out a line because they've taken no money on it on a very low number, and then everything becoming positive EV because the mean in relative terms has changed by such a large percentage that everything becomes plus EV. We'll figure it out. I've seen a lot of um quirky things go on um at William Hill when scraping these. One of the quirky things is that for a lot of games, not every game, but William Hill seems to cap the bet at 1,000 to 1. They don't always do it. They don't do it in every game. They seem to do it on more minor games, like all the Women's World Cup. You won't find a bet having a thousand to one. But they're really lazy, right? So what they'll say is both teams to score each team over three corners and each team over two cards, a thousand to one. And then they'll say both teams to score each team over four corners and each team over two cards, a thousand to one. And then each team over five corners and each team over two cards, a thousand to one. And then each team over five corners and each team over three cards, a thousand to one. They keep adding an increment to the to the attribute but they don't increase the odds. Like there's someone out there who is going to, you know, for the same odds, bet on more corners for each team. And it kind of explodes incrementally as well. The EV. There's real fave long shot bias going on. And I'll come to fave long shot bias a little bit afterwards in the next segment, but essentially bookmakers realize that most punters don't like betting at 1.5 they prefer to bet at 10 to 1 and i've discussed this before if you're betting at 10 to 1 uh let's forget about ev let's just say the ev is always the same for all of these examples and you normally win 250 pounds per bet so that's a 25 pound bet loads of people will put 25 pounds on a 10 to 1 loads of people will but if you have the same EV bet and it's 1 to 10, you really should be putting about £2,500 on it to win your £250. That's the same staking level. And if you're uncomfortable putting £2,500 on at 1.1, then perhaps you're staking too big. I I would definitely be uncomfortable putting £2,500 on at 1.1 if I was putting £25 on at 10 to 1. So I'm, I have bias in me that i prefer betting on long shots and i'll prefer betting higher numbers than and staking to higher liability than i will for long shot faves but regardless i definitely i've been saving the numbers from the scraping model so that i can do some sort of analysis there's so obvious fave long shot bias going on in that it's more likely that an odds-on bet for these personalized bets will be plus EV. And if not odds-on, it'll be 2 to 3 or 3 to 4. And the higher the magnitude of the odds, the less likely it is that it will be positive EV. And once we're up at 1,000 to 1, it kind of gets a little bit silly. Quite a lot of these bets are 1,000 to 1, and the real odds should be about 10,000 or 100,000. But it's these silly ones where they just keep adding them incrementally, but they don't increase the odds over 1,000 to 1. Well, I tweeted the other day that the chances of winning the national lottery are 47,057,474 to 1. The chances of both US women and Chile women to score have over five corners each and over three cards each are 58,576,990 to 1. So that's 1.2 times less likely than winning the national lottery. Yet William Hill were offering 1,000 to 1 on that bet. I'll tell you what, they're making money out of some of these. So I've got no qualms making money out of them. So anyway, I've had a decent start with a tiny small sample size. So the decent start means nothing. I easily could have lost the last couple of weeks with these bets. But um, I've, I've upped my staking on them now that we have this model. If I have a look at a couple of the results, just to show you what I've been betting on. Um, on the 11th of June, Women's World Cup match, Chile versus Sweden, um, we'd identified Sweden women to have over two corners in each half. This is a bet that seems to come around a few times. That was 1.95 at William Hill, 1.71 on the spreads, it's so a very decent TV, um, and the Swedish women had five corners in the first half and six corners in the second half. So that was easy. That came in by a mile. Um, and I had £300 on that, which is relatively small in terms of my overall staking. But William Hill take £300 on these one point nine five. um personalized bets easily so that one came in and on the same day there was like this monster score between usa and and thailand 30 nil it finished to the usa women when they were 7 nil up i bet on it being over 11.5 goals because it just seemed like the ties would capitulate in the last second as they did i mean there were goals in the 81st 87th 84th 92nd minutes so they just fell apart um USA women to have um, over three corners in each half was 2.15 to back, uh, 1.92. I mean, the USA, um, they had five corners exactly in each half, which when you score 13 goals, you think they'd have more than that. But um, on the same day, Hungary over one corner in each half, 2.5 and 2.2. It was a good one. Um, That one came in, had um two hundred and twenty quid on that, um and Hungary over two corners in each half. So that day happened to all be about the halves. A couple of days later, um the Jamaican women. These are I mean a lot of these are either the women or the under twenty ones, just because that's all that's going on today. Had over two point five goals and one plus corner in each half for the Jamaican women, uh, which was two point six three. Only two point five today, but it was the only thing that was going around that that day. So I was like two hundred and twenty quid on that, um. When it's Sky, there was um, three corners for each team and 10 booking points for each team. Booking points calculated slightly differently to the cards. 10 for a yellow, 25 for a red, as opposed to one for a yellow and two for a red. Ever so slightly different. Um, We looked through 12,000 games and came up with a coefficient of 0.976 to convert booking points divided by 10 into cards for the model. Uh, England brought some success for once England 3 or more goals 11 or more corners and 30 plus booking points in the game was 11 to 2 6.5 one of the larger ones was 6.1 to lay in fact so many came in that day England 2 or more goals 4 or more corners in the second half 3.25 at Brett Fred uh, a few hundred quid on that Japan versus Chile over 3.5 goals over 2 cards and over 9 corners came in at 10 to 1 the largest one that I've had come in with 50 pounds on that it was 11 to back and 9.2 you see that's that's my fave long shot bias in play because i struggle to bet less than 50 quid a lot of the time so that was 500 pounds profit um last night we had spain over two corners in each half and spain over three corners in each half was both value at 2.5 to back 2.2 fair price 5.25 to back 4.8. So that's like a double or upper. When it's exactly the same bet, but with one increment more, what I'll do is I'll work out what my staking would have been for the lower bet. And then I just shave a bit off what seems right. Because um, I'm not gonna place the same stake as I normally do on those two, because it's the same bet. And it could very easily be that both lose. They're not completely exclusive. So yeah, if I work out how much I'm gonna bet on the lower bet, which is 2.5. So I'd be somewhere between 200, 300 quid on that shaved off about 50 quid uh, and placed that 50 quid on Spain to have over three corners in each half um, at 5.25 and both of those came in so just the, uh, there's been a load of other examples as well, there's also been a load of examples of bets that don't come in but um, I think I've I'm, I'm, I'm definitely noticed that I've been running hot with the bets that have been going on the tracker so we're still in very much development mode. We're using this off-season. I mean, I was going to use this off-season to test different coupons. Um, The trouble I kind of ran into there was that the coupons I wanted to test were very reliant on the correct score market and there just isn't that much liquidity on the correct score market going around. So I could have forced it by looking for more, but it really would have been very simple markets like over 2.5 and home away. So I've decided instead that I'm gonna focus on bringing this model up to scratch. And when it's ready in a manual format, we'll then to start look at automation and API feeds from the spreads and things like that. And perhaps, just perhaps it won't come to anything. It won't come to any fruition. It certainly isn't the magic ticket. It doesn't do everything that you think that it can do. And I'm by no means an expert in it. Don't think I'm an expert in anything. I wrote a a 125,000 word thesis on combining genetic algorithms um, with regression analysis and multi-criteria analysis for a PhD thesis 20 years ago. And I still don't think I'm an expert in that. I was just touching on each of the subjects and bringing them into one place. I don't think I'm an expert in anything. I don't think anyone needs to be. What we are doing is we're playing around with different statistical methods. And if one lands, what we will do is we will write it up. We will model a few things. We'll normalize the data. And then we will publish all of the calculations on our site for full and complete transparency. And what that means is that, one, if anyone wants to look over what we've done and how we've done it, they can go through step by step. And if they find anything, they can critique it openly on the forum, which is like taking a little bit of getting used to. Back in the day, I used to write academic papers. And what I would do is I would research the problem. I would write the paper, I'd rewrite the paper, I'd get someone to look over it, I'd send it in. And then three to four months later, I would get feedback, which the job of the feedback was to critically review the paper. And then I'd maybe have... A few weeks to address the points on the paper. The difference between that and now with the communication platforms that we have on not just Twitter and things like that but Discord where our members talk is that I'll write all of this up and then I will publish it and then within a minute of publishing it someone will ask a question and... It's almost like it needs an immediate reply. And of course, the point of doing this is for people to not just ask questions, but to cast their eyes over it. But the immediacy does take some getting used to, because I can look at that question and say, okay, okay, hold on. I've just, I've literally just po- written it up and posted it. So give me a couple of minutes, and then someone else will ask a question. And it takes some getting used to dealing with the immediacy of um, this feedback when I'm used to it being not just in days, but in months. But we're getting there. I'm not an expert, but we're we're very good at quickly bringing together all these different pots of analysis into one place and coming up with a model that can essentially look through thousands of these personalized bets so that the 1.8 bets out of 100 that are positive um, EV are identified. That's the whole point of them.
1: 1.2. 1.2. gigawatts!
0: Uh, the, the top price odds checker scraper model has taken a little bit of a back seat uh, hiatus recently for two reasons. One, sort of finishing off dotting the I's, crossing the T's of the Golf model. Also, we had some sort of significant site issues where everything really ground to a halt the other week. Um, Lee thought it was um and it had been hacked because all the processes were started by themselves. I'm not gonna talk more on that because I don't understand what any of what happened actually happened but um it means that um i've been have i've been a little bit careful posting um bets that are seemingly too um optimistic using the oddstech uh top price tracker uh one of the reasons that they are seem to be optimistic is that we Started off with the assumption that we would use a flat markup uh, for each bet, depending on the market type and depending on whether the price was an outlier. Um, one of the things we were pointing the direction of uh, was a little report from Joseph Buchdahl, um about what I mentioned previously in the last segment, the fave long-shot bias. Um... Now, we we can use a bookmaker who we trust to have priced up a market correctly. And by that, I'm thinking Bet365, Pinnacle. I'm not thinking Moplay and, to a certain extent, um, SkyBet. But we can use them to work out the real price of something happening. First of all, we can... Quite easily work out the overround. What we do there is we just turn everything into probability, and then um, we see what the difference between summing everything up and one is. So if um, if we had a market with, for example, twenty percent, fifty percent, and forty percent, you add all those together, you get one hundred and ten percent. So the overround is ten percent there. Um, so we know what the overround is. Um, Now, we could apply that 10%. In fact, that's what our old assumption was, to apply that 10% to everything in the market. But as it transpires, we need to weight it. And we need to weight it depending on how many selections are in the market. So if there are only two selections in the market, we will weight them quite heavily. And if there are 20 selections in the market, we will weight them quite slightly. And what this weighting means is... Most things that are odds-on don't get that much markup applied to them, even when the overround is 10%, compared to things that are a lot longer in price. And as a result, anything that was quite short previously, I was um, being a little bit too pessimistic. Uh, so if it was plus EV, it was probably a lot better than I was stating. Conversely, anything that was longer in odds, I was probably making too optimistic, and that's a cardinal sin. Um, i don't want to be saying things are positive ev when they're not so that's why we've taken our gat foot off the gas a little bit unless we're sure um, we, what we're going to do is we're going to implement this fave long shot bias model into the odds checker model it will require an input and that input is how many selections are in the market if it's home draw away that's easy there's three if it's a tennis match the winner is easy it's two even set betting's easy you know, in a ladies' match, there's only three options of set betting. In a men's match, there's only five options of, of set betting. It gets a little bit more complicated when we're looking at any time goal scorer markets, score win doubles, um, things like that, where it's not so clearly defined how many selections are in the market. But we'll end up building like a mar- um, like a drop-down list where you can sort of easily work these things out. And um, uh, um. Uh, will. you will be able to use that to, you know, anyone will be able to go in there and say, right, I want to use set betting or the market is this or the market is this. And the tool will come across bugs and we'll repair the bugs and we'll, we'll end up with something that I think that is very reasonable for estimating a fair price of uh, anything that doesn't have an exchange market. Okay, moving on. Nectan have, um, you remember Nectan? Nectan seem to come and go, um quite a lot as the casino of the moment and then the casino of not the moment. So I was VIP at Nectan and not just one but multiple Nectan casinos and um it's good being VIP. Let me read you what happens when you're VIP. Once you become VIP, it says on the site You'll be contacted by one of our VIP account managers who will issue you a personal invitation initiating your superior service and exclusive benefits. And once a VIP, always a VIP. Nectan is the only casino where you will remain a VIP for the lifetime of your account. That is pretty decent, isn't it? You've got to admit. And then I have another email here. I think it was recent. This was M. Riches. Hi, Thomas. Hope this email finds you well. Welcome to the VIP club. Every week we have many VIP promotions, which include 100% match bonuses, free spins, race of stakes, and the chance to win prizes and holidays. As a VIP member, you're entitled to exclusive gold promotions, faster withdrawal times. Come on. Higher deposit limits and VIP membership for life. The VIP team welcome you and hope you continue to enjoy your gameplay. Should you have any questions, please do not hesitate to contact the VIP team. And some of the reloads were really good. I remember they did 100% to 500 pounds with times 10 wagering on the bonus only. Um, And no upper limit on the stake. Right? There's no other place that I know that do things like that these days. It's just crazy. Uh, So how long is that going to last for? Well, the answer is... Not very long at all. Dear Thomas, uh, they write First, we would like to thank you for playing at uh, Nectan. That's nice of them. As previously communicated to you um okay we are currently in the process of updating and improving our vip program did you communicate that to me maybe you did i wasn't really reading but i'm a vip for life so let's not worry about that Uh, we are confident yep that our new vip program will benefit our most loyal players and our offer a fantastic vip experience yeah you said that before i'm vip for life So uh, I love how an optimistic email starts optimistically. Everything is looking good. The world is rosy. However, as part of these changes, your VIP status and exclusive VIP promotions will unfortunately no longer be available to you. Please note that this includes the VIP loyalty 10% cashback. We can confirm the last payment for this will be on Monday, the 17th of June. We would like to assure you that you still remain a valued member of Nectar. And of course, Nectar uh, services and promotional offices will still be available for you to enjoy. You may have noticed... That We have recently introduced 24-7 customer support to answer any account queries that you might have. This is all part of the general improvements that um, we are making to the site. And we hope that you will benefit from these as well. And we're also confident that should your loyalty to the site continue, our dedicated VIP account management team will be in contact with you to personally invite you to our new VIP invite-only program. It's been a pleasure assisting you with your account queries. And please do not hesitate to contact us should you require any further assistance. Best regards, Nectan. It's been a pleasure assisting you with your account queries. Oh, I mean, that's like the binman turning up in the morning and saying, it's been a pleasure emptying out these refuse sacks full of dirty nappies every morning. Um and I want to personally thank you, such a awful written email, look, no, they shouldn't have ever offered, the, the mistake they made was offering VIP for life in the first place, but to then offer VIP for life, which was dumb, and then send an email, which starts optimistically, talking about confident on the new, how great their new VIP program that I'm in is, and then to tell me that I'm no longer in it, and then to tell me they're confident that if I continue to play at the site, I'll get back into the program that I was meant to have for life. And then tell me that they take great pleasure in assisting me with my account queries. What a load of nonsense. It's no surprise to me that Nectar have offered some of the highest value promotions and reloads in the past because quite simply they seem incompetent at being able to work anything out they're very pleasant don't get me wrong they never said anything unpleasant and customer uh service seems to be pretty much on the ball and there's nothing wrong there it's just they don't the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing and they um are inconsistent and um it's nothing short of a complete farce but what am I going to do fight it fight my way back into the VIP program you don't get in there by complaining you catch more honey with um, flies than vinegar what's the phrase that phrase look it up it flies here okay guys listen that's enough for the first half of nearly an hour you are listening to the Bashcast and it's brought to you by bookiebashing.net the
1: same
0: there from life is golden by suede from their 2018 album the blue hour um normally i fade that out and come on top of it but that is worth every last second in the bookie bashing news um it's now been three and a half years since i placed um um a bet on the to be the next james bond market on a now long restricted william hill account um 1999 2000 duncan and i went to university with a fella called matthew good who studied drama and went on to do a few films and 3 years ago he was in the top 5 really short, um, single figures, to be the next James Bond. You can now get him at 200 to 1. Um, We did get Duncan to get in touch with him to ask him if it was worth betting on him to be the next James Bond, and his reply was, Duncan darling, he wouldn't put money on it himself. Well, it looks like that advice is reasonable now. I mean, he's still the same odds as Eddie Redmayne, we could be the next James Bond, Orlando Bloom, John Hamm, Christian Bale, these are all 200 to 1, um, along with Matthew Good. but the front of the market, Richard Madden, Tom Hiddleston, Idris Elba, James Norton, Cillian Murphy, and Tom Hardy um, are all there, Emily Blunt is 66 to 1, Angelina Jolie's 100 to 1, and Matt Damon's 100 to 1, who are all... Ahead of Matthew. So I think it's maybe about time that I can um I can write that one off and move on with my life. On more important news, um rather disappointing as well. The Guardian reports that the Puntus case against the Bet 365 for one million pounds worth of unpaid winnings has discontinued. This is Megan McCann. We have spoken about her two or three times before. She placed a Essentially, a, a, a filthy each way. That's all she did. She placed bets on races, random weekday races, where she was getting um, positive expectation place terms due to bias in the market, whether it was a short priced favourite or whatever. And she managed to compound her EV by pl- putting them in multiples and placing a lot of these multiples. So there's no big trick to what she did, just the execution um hasn't gone through. The Guardian reports that the long running legal case in which Meghan McCann, a student from Northern Ireland, was suing the bookmaker Bet Three Six Five for one million pounds in unpaid winnings, has been discontinued shortly before it was due to return to court in Belfast, prompting speculation that Bet365 have agreed to a settlement over the disputed bets almost three years after they were placed, in June 2016. A Bet365 account in the name of McCann, who was a 19-year-old student at the time, placed a stake of almost £25,000 on 12 horses running in races at Bath, Kempton and Nars, on the 22nd of June 2016 bet365 accepted the bets a combined total of 960 13 pound each way lucky 15s which were mostly successful and returned a total payout of 984,833 pounds However, Bet365 refused to pay the winnings, claiming the original stake of the bets had been provided by a third party in contravention of the firm's terms and conditions. It also refused to refund the £25,000 stake. McCann launched a legal action against Bet365 two years ago and the latest in a series of court dates working towards a full hearing of the case was scheduled for Friday morning. However, the listing was removed earlier in the week and administrator of Belfast High Court confirmed on Wednesday that McCann's legal team had lodged an official notice of discontinuance in the case. While punters who have followed the case will be pleased if it transpires that some or all Of the £1 million winnings have been paid, the news it will not reach a full hearing could also leave a lingering sense of frustration that significant questions about the robustness of major bookmakers' terms and conditions will not be tested in court. McCann's statement of claim alleged Bet365 and other leading online bookmakers habitually engage in unconscionable practices when dealing with their customers and that they actively discriminate against should Punters who are able to make their betting pay. Many successful punters find it almost impossible to get their bets accepted. Yada yada yada. We know all of that. And Bet365 obviously didn't respond for comment. Some people commented that this is fantastic news and it means that Bet365 capitulated. I don't agree. I really don't. Uh, I don't think it's fantastic news at all. In fact, rumor has it that Bet365 settled out just the legal fees. It's almost like they had a smoking gun. But they decided, so a smoking gun, I think I've read that they ha- they requested all of the Skrill documentation about who had transferred money to the Skrill account of the 19-year-old student. They Skrill complied and sent the documentation to them, to Bet365's lawyers. And then, so Bet365 almost know exactly who is linked and funding the account, but they have decided that they don't want to progress it and go to court. That, this is my speculation of what happened. And they've turned around to the McCanns, and they've said, right, we'll pay for your legal fees up until now, and then that's it. You're not getting a penny more, because if this goes to court, you won't win. But we don't want the publicity of what we know about who is running multiple accounts and how we investigate multiple accounts because there are people out there who we know a lot more about and probably should stop betting, yet we don't because they're profitable for us. I mean, there's a whole world of information that Bet365 will not want released to the courts. And so their decision not to go to court is so that they don't have to publicly make available the tools and the information that they have. And that was worth paying off a couple of hundred thousand pounds in legal fees to this Meghan McCann, um, ensuring that she didn't get a penny of the winnings that they said she wasn't owed because someone else placed this bet. So this leaves us all in limbo continuously, and it looks like forever, over the bookmakers' terms and conditions of restricting punters and this argument that um, the McCann lawyers said that they were going to use, these unfair practices. A lot of people were saying that this is going to be the moment where these practices get highlighted and we can all perhaps have a better environment to bet in as a result of that case. Uh, unfortunately, none of that's going to happen, and it doesn't look like if a repeat case comes to court in the near future, it's going to happen um, then either. We're just going to have to continue being slightly in the dark over this area. Right, guys, coming up, not a lot. It's Ascot's over the weekend, but these Saturdays are so quiet, so quiet. It's like last Saturday was one of the quietest Saturday that I ever knew in my entire life. In terms of sport, even in the summer, for the summer, it's a quiet. It was a quiet Saturday for, for sports. So, um, um, a few of these. I'm enjoying my weekends past. I can because during the the football season, I I Saturday is like a primary working day for me, which is a shame. So Jen takes the kids to like CrossFit Kids and she and um, all my friends are off work and I really never socialise with them on the weekend because Saturday's my working day and then I like have a Monday off and nobody's around which actually suits me fine I just go shopping in the supermarket um, keep myself to myself <laughs> but um, I'm going to I'm taking advantage of some of these quiet weekends just to have some weekends this summer I'm going to do the same this one Um, My advice, normally I say at the end of the bashcast, whatever you're betting on, make sure it's value. Use this quiet time um, to recharge your batteries. You know, when there's only like 10% of the sport's on, that's normally on, you could find value if you scramble around and look for it, but additionally. If you're always scrambling around looking for value, you might burn out. So this week, I'm not going to say whatever you're betting on, do make sure it's value. And I'm not going to do a highlight run-through of the sport that's on on the weekend and next week. Instead, I'm going to say, if it stops raining for 14 minutes in this country during this summer, why don't you go outside and enjoy it and not bet on any value this weekend. Failing that, the Women's World Cup continues, the under 21 tournament is still on. We've got the Cricket World Cup and also the Beach Volleyball World Championship start in Hamburg on the 28th of June. Whatever it is that you're betting on, do make sure it's value. This is Tom signing out. This is big.
1: That's the coolest fucking story I've ever heard of in my entire life. That's can insane. Can I hear it again? Do you have time? <laughs>